2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says this in 2 Kings 5 and 1. It says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Syria, and he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory over Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, great in principle and character and integrity. But he had one thing against him. He was unclean. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress one day, she said, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would heal him of this leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying this, that what the girl said, and who was from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now to Israel. So he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing, and then he brought the letter from the king of Israel. Now it says, Be advised when the letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and make alive? If this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy, therefore please inquire and consider and see how he seeks a fight with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, then he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a man of God, a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horse, horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger out to him and said, Hey, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place, this place, and heal the leprosy. And then he says, Are not the Abaniah and the Phaphara and the rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not clean myself in them and be clean? So he returned and went away in great rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if a prophet had told you to do something that would have been great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Go and clean yourself. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And all of a sudden, according to the man of God, and his flesh was restored to him like a little child. Now, I want to share with you some thoughts. There's three words that I've been meditating on and pertains to this passage. The first word is resist. I want you to write that down. 
Write this down. Three words. Resist. The second word is reluctant. Reluctant. Resist. Be reluctant. And then the requirements. You see, the Lord requires of us to be faithful. The Lord requires of us to be holy. The Lord requires of us to be submissive. The Lord requires of us to live by faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible teaches that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, as we've been looking at uh, a sermon series dealing with saying yes to the mess in our life, it doesn't mean that we say yes and we stay there. There's a concept in Western Christianity that says if you just go through the motions, if you'll just go to church, if you'll just pray to God, if you'll just love God, if you'll just read the Bible, if you'll just give a little money, then everything can be all right with God and you can stay in the mess that you're in. You see, you're not created for that. You are created for a destiny that God has for you. And he wants us to be a kingdom-minded people that are focused on his plans and not ours. You say, why would I want to do that? Well, because his plans are much greater than ours. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. His thoughts are much more complex than our thoughts. Therefore, we want to grab a hold of what he is saying, what he is teaching, what he is reminding, the principal concepts of the just living by faith. There are these things that the Lord requires, and the, the other two words have to deal with us, humanity. Are we ready to receive the requirements? Are we reluctant to receive the requirements? Or do we resist them? Now look at this in this passage of Scripture. There's a couple of things here that I want you to realize. That if you are going to live a kingdom life, fulfill biblical kingdom principles in your life, then their faith requires action. Faith requires action. The greatest thing in this story to me was not the man being healed of leprosy. The greatest thing in this story to me was a little girl who had been plucked away from her family, drove off or dragged in, uh, drugged to another land, to another country, under another king, under another ruler, under another nation that spoke maybe even a different language and didn't understand those things. And in the midst of it, she had seen God move so much in her nation, so much in her people, that it had ingrained in her the element of faith. The element of faith. Mom and dad, are you living your life in such a way that your children are in awe of what God is doing in your life? Are they seeing God show up in your life in such a unique way, such a mysterious way that it is overwhelming them at the miracles that God is doing on a daily basis? That's how you train up a child. It's not always by lecturing them, but it's about living the life in front of them. Faith requires action. And that little girl had seen so much faith in her life that she just said, Oh, if Mr. Naaman could just be in my country with my people where the man of God is, surely he would be healed. 
Faith requires action. When you're desperate, when you're desperate and you're unclean, so much that you have to live a different lifestyle because of the leprosy on the outside. When you're unclean on the outside and you're broken and you're physically broken, it drives you to do whatever it takes. And you understand the element that Naaman was in. Because in this concept, he was restricted. His physical health restricted him in his physical life. And therefore, when he heard, when he heard just the passing by of what some young servant girl said, he was so desperate, he was willing to go to the king and say, can I please go to another country, to another king, to another people, and see if I can be healed. Isn't it amazing how when people get sick, sick physically, they get so desperate? They will drive however far they have to go. They will go to whatever state, whatever country, whatever it is for a physical healing that's only temporary. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Let your child get sick and you will sell everything you have. One of the most gripping movies of the 90s was that movie John Q. You remember that where Denzel Washington was the dad and he didn't have any money and their insurance wouldn't pay for the heart transplant. And at one point he, 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 he robbed this emergency room and he told him, he said, I'm going to kill myself and you take my heart and put it in my boy's chest so that he might live. One of the most gripping movies that I had seen of that time. And I want you to understand, we will go to great lengths. To make sure our children, our wives, our family has physical health and physical security. But we won't hardly lift a finger to make sure they are spiritually whole. To make sure they are spiritually rooted. To make sure they are walking in a spiritual victory. Are you hearing me today? See, he was unclean physically, so therefore it restricted him. It limited him, even though he was a mighty man of valor. See, today you may have everything in the world. You may be physically whole. You may be a specimen of health. You may be the example of what healthy should be. But if you are spiritually a leper, it restricts you and robs you and manipulates you and empties you. And you live the same defeated life. People will do anything for, spirit, for physical health, but they restrict themselves for the spiritual health or for psychological health. Let somebody be sick in the mind, psychologically unhealthy, psychologically broken, emotionally depressed, and here's what people say. Well, you just need to pray more. You just need to read the Bible more. You just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get up and go out there and make it happen. Well, I want you to know something, that if your heart is broken and if you have heart trouble, if you have kidney trouble, if you just have a headache that is overpowering, you don't pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You lock yourself in the bedroom and dare somebody to knock on the door. So why don't we respect the other? Spiritual health. Psychological health. They're all part of our making. Naaman was physically broken and he was going to do whatever it took. So his 
he started moving in action. In this story, for the sake of time, I won't go back and read it, but he was moving in the intellectual capacity. The little girl said, the man over there can heal me. I'm going to show up and we're going to go there and it's going to kind of be like at a Benny Hinn crusade. I'll just show up and he'll do something wonderful. He'll throw his coat on me or something and all will be made well. That's what he was looking for. But he got there and the man of God didn't even come outside. He sent a servant boy to do the message, to send the message. A servant. And it offended him. Now, he's the man that's unclean. He's the man that's broken, but now he's the offended. It says, I want the man of God to come out of here. I have come from another country, from another nation. I have a letter from the king. I want him to get out here and call on the name of his God and wave his hand over me, and I want to see the leprosy disappear. But that's not what God said. He said, I want you to have faith. You want to be healed of leprosy, then you need to have faith. I want you to go down to the Jordan and dip yourself in it seven times. And then he was offended. The Jordan, that stinky, nasty Jordan River. Do we not have better waters in my country than the Jordan River? And he got angry and left. He got angry and he left. He went there because he was so desperate to be healed physically. But the man of God made him so mad that he left unclean and physically broken. Are you with me in this story? And finally, some little servant ran up to him that was with him and said, Sir, please forgive me. But if he had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Then why are you being rebellious? And so, he, Naaman, the great leader, the, vi the man of valor, the man of integrity, sold up like a bullfrog probably and marched his way down to the Jordan River and dipped himself in it. And when he came up the seventh time, he was made whole. I'm going to tell you something today, guys. God's calling you to a deeper level. To a deeper commitment. He's calling you to live. To live. Like the kingdom of heaven is on earth. And to quit walking around. With your hands thrown up in the air. And say oh my God. Hell is winning. All is lost. I sure hope God can pull this thing out. In the fourth quarter with two minutes to go. That's how the church lives. The church lives waiting for the waving of the wand, waiting for the miraculous, waiting for God to show up in a mystical way. When God, his, when, the, when the man of God before Elijah, Elijah, when he was in a place and all of a sudden God came to him, it says that the wind was so great that it was tearing at the trees and tearing at the rocks of the mountain that there was a fire that came by and consumed the earth and that the, there was a geological movement in the earth began to shake and earthquakes began to happen but Elisha said Elijah said God wasn't in the geological movement he wasn't in the fire he wasn't in the strong wind it was his still small voice that showed up and said son what are you doing 
What are you doing? Why are you being a resistant follower of me? Why are you being a reluctant leader? If you do this, I'll do that. I mean, we're kind of like super chicken. You remember super chicken from the Old Testament? Gideon. You want me? You want me to go to the Midianites? He said, oh, Lord, no, no, I'm the least. And so God kept messing with him. He finally said, okay, Lord, if you want me to go, here's what me and you are going to do. I'm going to put this wool fleece out there. And in the morning, if you want me to go, Lord, uh, let everything be wet. On all the earth be wet, but not the wool fleece. So he got up in the morning and he went out there and all the earth was wet, but the wool fleece was dry. And old super chicken said, oh, Lord, no, no, my, we need a do-over. You must have got this wrong, Lord. Okay, okay, here's what I want you to do, Lord. In the morning, I want only the wool fleece to be wet and I want the rest of the earth to be dry. So Super Chicken gets up in the morning, he marches his way out there to the wool fleece, and all of a sudden he looks, and guess what? The wool fleece is wet, and the rest of the earth is dry. So finally he says, okay, I get the message. Let me tell you something today. Anybody can follow God leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. But that's not what he told us to do. He said, kingdom men and women will live by Faith in action. And you know the worst part of that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Faith requires action. Faith requires direct obedience. Look in this passage of Scripture. The man of God did not lower the standard. He did not lower the expectation. He did not lower the principle of what he told him to do. He didn't say, oh, my goodness, Naaman's here. I'm going to come and bow down and put on a big, a big showing of the flesh, a big parade, all the lights and gl- g- uh, gimmicks and all of those things. I, I, I'm going to go out there and make a big spectacle because it was Naaman's here. No, he said, took his servant and said, just go out there and tell him to go to the Jordan and dip himself seven times. And he walked away, a leper, until he was willing to follow every step that had been commanded. Could I have not dipped myself in the water of Damascus, the waters, the rivers of Damascus? Can I tell you today, there's a lot of people in the name of Jesus that are dipping themselves in the waters of baptism. They're dipping themselves in the concept of spiritual gifts. They're dipping themselves in the concept of giving monetarily. They're dipping themselves in church attendance. They're dipping themselves in a hodgepodge of Christianity. It looks a little bit like some mosaic art. Just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Just a smidget or a little sprinkle of lordship and a whole lot of grace so that I can live however I want to. And, and you're picking up what I'm putting out. They just take this whole hodgepodge and they come up with a new way. I want you to understand you may come up with a new way but there is only one way and Jesus said I am the way. I am the truth and guess what? I am life and you're not getting to heaven except by me. Oh, such a narrow minded Savior. So narrow-minded. Naaman was not made whole till he went in the way the man of God said to go. And immediately, when he fulfilled every concept 
he was made whole. The last thing is faith not only requires direct obedience and requires action, but faith produces the abundant blessings. An unclean man who had to wear a bell around his neck saying, the leper is coming. The leper is coming. The unclean man had now been made whole. Guys, God's had his thumb in some of your backs for a long time about salvation. And you're kind of like Naaman. You've been negotiating. You've been plotting. You've been strategizing. You've been trying to lower the expectation of heaven and lordship. But today, he's saying, you got to go this way. And you won't let go because you're waiting on God. You won't let go because you're waiting on God. To do it your way. When he was the one who went to the cross for you to do it his way. And then secondly, some of you have been struggling with going deeper. God's been wanting to take you deeper on a journey for quite some time. But you're unwilling to take that journey. Because the path seems so narrow. So narrow. That you keep saying, Lord, can't we negotiate a broader path? And to that, he replies, yes, but it leads to destruction. But my way is the only way. Today, with your head bowed, maybe you're there watching at home. You've been struggling, man. You've given up on church for quite some time. You still love Jesus. But, man, you've just been struggling. You're at a place where you're tired. You're weary. You're wanting to start over. We've been looking at this kingdom concepts. If you're going to live those out, it will have to be by faith. God's way. God's way. Lord, speak to our hearts move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.